Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back to another edition of the Real Buck Stock Podcast. We are live on YouTube and we have a special guest with us tonight, uh, Robert Green who you know does some writing for what the buck and also has his own podcast so robert uh welcome uh to the show i mean i appreciate it thank you guys both for having me it's a long time coming well robert it's great to see the side of your head and the back of your head it looks good you look clean yeah clean cut got it oh damn there he is yeah (laughs) looking good right Trying to keep myself a little bit incognito. I don't want anybody to follow me. I like it. Well, I'm following you on Twitter, so that's already <laughs> enough creeping. But uh, <laughs> now that we got you here, let me ask you some questions. So before we jump into Bucks football, let's, let's get to know you a little bit better. So we all know you like to write for what the buck. You like to talk Bucks quarterbacks, Bucks situations, Bucks everything. But what do you do besides Bucking your football? What What is your day job? What do you do? What's your hobbies? What do you like to do yourself? Uh, for me, really, I I work. That's it. Uh, when we're allowed to work, that's all I do is work. I, I work in TV and film production. Uh, for the last 17 years, I spent that in uh, Central Florida doing film commercials. Uh, everything, pretty much, man. Whether it was live television, Ellen DeGeneres show, um, Universal Studios, Disney, Every theme park that's in Central Florida, all the things that are down in, in South Florida, traveling around, doing commercials is basically what I did, as well as uh, a couple of TV shows and stuff like that. But yeah, that was it, man. I was just a work, just a working guy, and that's all I, that's all I'm used to. That's all I do. I don't know what I do. I don't know what I would do to myself outside of work other than talk about Bucks football or go to Bucks football games. That's it. It's already stressful enough, and that's the drama show you want, right? I know, right? That's why I go to work to kind of relieve my stress of being a Bucks fan. Tough time. Tough time. <laughs> but real quick, so Ellen DeGeneres, do you introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, one funny story I had with Ellen DeGeneres' show, when they used to come down to Central Florida, they used to go down to Universal Studios. They would go to Universal Studios and for like the spring break shows and so forth. Like uh, I think it was like, May sometimes like a week or two they do like a five six shows down there um, one time I had to go in and deal with one of the executive producers and I had to go into this I had to go and interrupt a meeting with Ellen and all of her writers and it's like 15 people in a room and my young ass walk in there <laughs> sorry for the language but I walk in there hey, ahead, and I'm just <laughs> I walk in and I'm you know everybody's like who is that 
God, what is she doing here? And Ellen starts saying something to me. Like she's, she and I start joking back and forth. She starts, she says something and I forget exactly what I said, but we go back and forth like a good minute. And everybody in the room was kind of freaked out that I was, you know, just talking to her and just kind of never minding the fact that I was in a, you know, breaking up this big meeting and it got quiet for like a good five seconds. And I just look around and I'm like, okay. And I'm out and I just walked out. But, uh, but no, she was a cool, cool person. Like she's one of the very, one of the very few really cool people. Like just in general. But there's a lot of cool people I've you know met at work with. She was one of the coolest chicks, though. Down to earth kind of kind of person. Yeah, yeah. Like gen genuinely funny. Like unwritten stuff. Just a pleasant person to talk to. Um, and that's what you kind of like to see with when it comes to you know the celeb types and all that stuff. Because a lot of people are kind of standoffish. A lot of people just about their business and they don't really want to want to do anything as far as far as like uh personalize and socialize with a lot of people because they have so much on their plate which is a very hard thing to do by the way like that's what i kind of kind of freaks me out a little bit or kind of irks me when you have people who especially fans right now well not fans right now but just fans in general how you you see like football players and so forth you see them out in public and, you, and people are calling them by their first names like they know them for real like they went to high school with them and they would recognize you from you know anything it, it kills me. It makes me laugh. Like I, I just die laughing at it. So I get it. If people are standoffish, they have a job to do and they got to do it all the time. So they can't, it can't be a character all the time. So I get it. Mm-hmm. What do you want them to say? Oh, hey, Mr. Brooks, or hey, Mr. Sapp, Mr. No, I mean when, you know, honest to goodness, that's exactly how I introduce myself whenever I. Uh, that's how I introduce myself to talent, because I'm one of the guys. I'm one of. The, I'm the second. A lot of times I'm a second assistant director, but most of the times I'm a first assistant director. Uh, the difference between the two, the first assistant director doesn't deal with the talent as much uh, as the second. But as a second assistant director, when it comes to film and television, I would go and introduce myself and I would say, hi, Mr. Sapp, hi, Mr. Hi. Brooks, until they until they give me permission to call them something different. And a lot of times they do do. They was like, and I've worked with Mr. Uh, Brooks before. I've worked with Derek Brooks and that's awesome. I'm like, hey, Mr. Brooks, like, how's it going? This is what we're doing. This is what we're moving on to. Such and such. Oh, man, call me Derek. I'm like, okay. Same thing with Levante David. Right. I worked with those. Yeah, I worked with those guys on a uh, on a promo back in 2014 for the Bucks, a season ticket promo that really only aired, I believe, in in, in Tampa. But uh, yeah, I worked with both of those cats, and that's exactly how you how you would introduce yourself. You don't want to get too personal with people like that right off the top, man. It's uh, it's it's almost being too forward. Okay. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to be, you know, cool to be personable and all that stuff. But you don't want to be like, hey, hey, Derek. Hey, Big D. Come on. <laughs> be like, yo, man, go sit down somewhere and chill out, bro. Like, all right. Yeah, yeah. It's, I strongly it's recommend don't go with Big D. No, yeah, don't. Yeah. You may you like it. You never know. No, you don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. <laughs> all right. Well, plus, you got any other questions? No, I mean, I'm just very impressed. Like, yeah, that's awesome, Robert. Like, uh, a little jealous. Kinda, yeah, I'm jealous. Like, <laughs> You know, chatted up with uh, Ellen DeGeneres, which is, uh, that's that's impressive. And, and it doesn't surprise me that she would be that type of person where she's, you know, very cool, down to earth, uh, you know, just, you know, talk it up. So that's pretty cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, um, so like hobbies, like I, I know you say you just work, but, you know, what, what other hobbies do you have or, or your, your interests, I should say? Uh I guess one of the only few interests I have now outside of work is I'm starting to try to do my own video, uh, trying to do my own video projects and so forth. Kind of, I bought myself a camera and some camera gear and 
some audio gear and all this stuff and i've just been trying to do my own thing as far as getting some getting some commercials and all this stuff under my own name and kind of making my own little wave when it comes to that kind of thing uh also big into photography um and art not doing not a, doing a whole lot of uh photography or art my, for myself but i like going to other museums and watching and looking at other people either create art or looking at other people's work uh, i've always been a big fan of the arts also a big fan of well, speaking of arts big fan of movies and television and so forth like that so just i, I like watching people perform live music all that stuff mm-hmm. uh, i just i just like artistry in a whole different in a bunch of different ways so talking okay. about performance huh yeah yeah big on performances uh live performances when it comes to music by the way true what's what's your uh what's your number one tv show right now that you got man yeah. i just just finished season three of ozark Okay. If you've never watched Ozark, I swear to Moses, um, as soon as this is over with, go watch season one and don't leave your bedroom or your living room until you get all the way through season three. Oh, yeah. I saw season one. Season one was awesome. And then to me, season two is like a lull. It's got a little bit of a... I guess that's, uh, th- I think that's... Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. That's the beauty of... of that's the beauty of dramatic television, man. It it it, it does go into a lull because it, I mean it replicates life and yeah. it's super fictitious, you know, fictional form. But it does it does go into those lows. We're like, hey, the man. But then but then when this stuff pops up, like a like a like a, a jump scare or something like that, like it's 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 big. Like when the changes come, they're so big that it's like holy crap. That's why they put me in a lull. That's why they drove everything and slowed down to a slow pace so that you know when it's big twist or this big you know this big thing happens it's that much bigger if everything stayed on the same plane you know it'd be boring super boring well we're buck fans we're used to roller coasters what are you talking about man let me tell you something about roller coasters they are <laughs> overrated overrated overrated. Yeah. overrated i only like one you know what? i only like one or two roller coasters in my life man uh rocking roller coaster out at disney you guys ever been on that one I haven't been I think there. I have. I think I have, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Aerosmith one. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah Aerosmith, that one, and we got what, Mummy Returns. Mummy Returns. Oh, Mummy Returns Reverse. have been on. That yeah. goes backwards, yeah. Really right, cool. right. The end, oh, let me see what other one I got. I got, the, um, <laughs> I got Everest. Everest, that's the only outdoor, ro- quote-unquote, roller coaster I've ever done. It's the one at, uh, the other one at Disney, which is uh, Expedition Everest. And I opened three, all three of those did commercials for them for the openings for them. the only time the only way that they got me to ride them because i had to ride it for the commercial so and i was like all right i'll do it okay i'm sorry if i mispronounce this but k grantification said kumba is kumba still open i haven't been to bush kumba, gardens in forever i haven't been a bit i've shot a couple times at bush gardens but i swear to you i don't remember <laughs> what's up there yeah i mean damn i need to go but then again no one can go anywhere now so you can't, yeah, you better draw a picture and uh, just kind of wave it around your face. Yeah. That's all you can get as far as a roller coaster, man. Sad but true. Go well, watch go watch game, uh, go watch week six, I believe, in London. From last year. <laughs> That's <laughs> the roller the coaster I was talking about. <laughs> That's why I said, as Buck fans, we like roller coasters. Uh, you don't like any Bush Gardens, Kumba, Montu? I like Montu a lot. I like the Hulk, though, in uh, Islands of Adventure. Oh, man. Maybe it's just a name. 
Hell, yeah, I like Space what... Mountain back in the day. That's an old ass roller coaster. It's not even a roller coaster. It's like a ride. Hey, Space Mountain is a good time, man. That's one. Again, I, I'm such a fan. I'm a. I only do the ones that are indoors. Like I, I, I really don't like the outdoor roller coasters. I'm just, mm. I'm too chicken for it, man. I'm <laughs> not a big fan. But uh, right. yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's jump into Bucks football. So we brought you here to talk Bucks football. You don't sugarcoat nothing. You keep everything straightforward. You see it how you see it. You like to speak your truth how you see it. And for better or worse. Yeah. I mean, but that's it. That's that's what we all want to hear. Good opinions, but educated opinions. Not just making up crap because you heard someone at work tell you something. It's something that you looked up yourself, passionate fan, will talk about. Someone's talking yeah, about Space Mountain. But, but that's why we got you here. So, what do you think about the latest moves? Obviously, that little move we made, bringing in that one quarterback, Tom Brady. What do you think about the Tom Brady move? Do you think it's a good move for the Buccaneers? And where do you see us moving forward? As far as the Brady move, I, I can see why people are excited about it. I, I look at the Brady move like I look at everything else. It's, kind of, it's super wait and see. Um, I, I was definitely one of the ones, one of the vocal ones who, who thought that there definitely should have been a change at quarterback from, from my former starting quarterback. I didn't know, well, I didn't feel like they absolutely needed to go and get Tom Brady, but it's not cost restrictive whatsoever as far as his contract is. Um, and he brings a lot to the team for the past, I think, month or two, probably the past three months. One of the things that I have been kind of harping on, one of the things I kind of been just just talking about or at least hinting at was that the, the level of expectation for Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans and the team in general need to need to be raised like the uh, the expectations need to be raised. And the bar need to be raised. There was so much talk about what you know what was acceptable going into last year uh, before the season started. It was all you know playoff or bust again, which is pretty much the case every every year. You want to go to the playoff, otherwise it's, it's a failure. You want to win the Super Bowl, or you know most of the time it's a failure. But at least getting to the playoffs was a you know was a big step. Um, somewhere in the season, man, it, it got to a point where everybody was a lot of fans. Like, I didn't want to say everybody. A lot of fans we got gotten to the point where, you know, they would just they were just good with being excited. They were just good with being on a roller coaster. They were just good with being, you know, an exciting team. And I, you know, I didn't feel the same. I didn't feel the same. I thought that I thought last year should have been a team that could have won. I thought last year was a team that was, you know, built to at least have a a much a much better record, a, a better example of being successful. I thought they were, I thought they were capable of doing that. Tom Brady will raise the level of expectations for pretty much everybody at every position uh, because of his stature. I don't think he necessarily makes anybody better. Like, I don't think any quarterback or any other player that comes in is going to make the guy next to him so much better uh, for a lot of positions. In some positions I do I actually do feel like a better talent would, you know, would raise the level of certain people. But Tom Brady is just going to bring a, a, a much a much needed boost when it comes to expectations and the level of play, uh, just based on expectations. In my opinion, that's as I, I strongly feel that. I don't think that he, I don't think he does anything so. Uh, phys- I don't think he does anything from a physical standpoint that's going to be so much better. But his his knowledge, I believe, is going to help a lot of people, and 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 
you know, I'm I'm still waiting to see on it. I hope I'm wishing, hoping for the best. I'm wishing, hoping that we get out of this current state that we're in in this world. And we can actually look forward to actually see a, a game and see him in a Bucks jersey. That's first and foremost. I believe I should have said that first and foremost. But I think Tom Brady is going to. I think he's going to be okay. He should be okay as long as he don't completely fall off a cliff. He, I think I think he's going to be a decent a decent addition to the Bucks and and probably and, and possibly a great addition to the Bucks. Again, it's waiting to see though. Plus, I'll let you talk because I've been talking too much. Then I'll jump in after. Okay. Uh, no, I agree with what Robert said. I think that you know it's definitely going to raise expectations. I think you've already seen that. I mean, we've you know you see um, you know the Bucks being mentioned as as possible Super Bowl contenders, which I think is a little too you know fetched right now. Uh, let's take it one step at a time. Let's have meaningful games in in, in December, and you know and, and make it to the playoffs first. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think I think Tom is going to be just fine. Uh, I think he's still playing at a pretty good level. You know, the, the the stats and you know his game tape. I mean, shows that that he's still playing at a good level where he can be the decision maker that we need on this team, and especially with the weapons and, and let them, you know, operate in a manner that is more consistent and better for this offense going forward, um, and actually give the defense a chance to be consistent as well and not put them in a, in a bind. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good move. Again, um, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm, I'm in, in agreement with Robert, though. I think he's just got to let it play out. Right. And it's funny you said that because uh, I was making this joke for the past uh, for the past week or two. Actually, I tweeted it out. I was like, at this rate that we're going, I think everybody might be playing meaningful football in December. They're going to have to push <laughs> everything back. It's going to be – right. Super Bowl in Super Bowl in July next year. It's gonna be don't awesome. Even, don't even joke. <laughs> no, for real. Like I, there's too much stuff going on all all over. I mean, people with work, people just in general. I go into Costco, see people with like chemical masks with the double wide thing, booking uh, it, booking it through. I'm like, jeez. I mean, hey, fighting yeah, over toilet paper. Come on, I'm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of fighting over toilet paper. You do have to take precautions, though, man. It's uh, it's a serious, it's a serious thing yeah, out there. But stay and, home. Yeah. Well, well yeah. Well, well, we're, we're trying to get away from this right now. We're trying to get away from the stress. Talk buck football. So I just want to add about Brady. Obviously, you know it's a business move as well. I mean, the Glazers saw a way to put asses in the seats. Obviously, it worked. I mean, season ticket holders just. Whoosh, and then raise ticket prices, right? So they did yeah. what they wanted to do financially. And then Brady's just the best decision maker to go with two great weapons on the outside. You have a, a potential Gronkowski at O.J. Howard if he can just catch the ball. Maybe his confidence has been the, low. He can catch the ball. Hey, so If, if I, he gets I, reps. I mean, it's just get him the ball. Oh, man. So this kind of got me, man. Uh, there's a lot. There are, there are a lot of fans who are down on on Howard, and just because and of somehow latest saw that's why. And somehow Bruce Arians, um, again somebody who I don't hate whatsoever. I actually would like to have a drink with him, a three, a drink or three with him one time. But he, um, but he's got in the people's mind that he's kind of fallen off. I'm like, time out. I don't, I don't agree. I really don't. Like nobody questioned what, nobody questioned if Howard could play the past two seasons or the previous two seasons. Before, before he came in, before Arians came in, nobody questioned whether or not he can catch the ball. Nobody questioned whether or not he could block. Nobody questioned, you know, if his effort hit the field on Sunday. 
That's crazy. To me, to me, it's crazy. I don't know who. I don't know how many people disagree with it, but you know, he had you know some crazy drops, some crazy plays that didn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> see, right now, people saw that and were thinking like he grabbed the ball, he tried to tip the ball or take it behind his back. He didn't. Like he tipped the ball, tipped I believe his left hand. No, he was running. He was running his right. No, he tipped the ball with his right hand, and the ball just got behind him because because the ball was not right on the mark, but it hit his hand, and he kind of went past, and he just reached back to grab the ball. And somebody, and again, immediately people were like, "Why is he trying to take the ball behind his back?" I'm like, "Who the hell would take the ball behind <laughs> their back on purpose?" It don't make any damn sense. Like, and then people just kept saying it, and people it wasn't James's fault. That's why I'm telling you right now. It, but it wasn't his fault. The, part, the pass wasn't on the mark, but the pass was catchable. It was, it was a weird, it was a weird deal. But the dude didn't try to take the ball behind his back like he was damn curly deal or something. He, he was, was just trying like to make a play. Drop. He knew he shit the yeah. bed, and he was just trying to make sure. He got it. I mean, what are you gonna do in that moment? You don't. You don't have time to think. It's it tipped. Oh, sh- it's no shit moment. He tried to get it. Right. it just it just came on the wrong end. I mean, at times that happens. I mean, so so he had that play, and then what? He had another. He had another pass that he that got tipped up. It became an interception. Now again, if you watch that play, I could pull it up, but I don't want to mess you guys' like, uh, stream up. You because... got some stuff going on though. I see that. I like that. Yeah, so I mean, in that play, if you watch that play, he ran past where yeah, I'm assuming he except he expected to catch the ball. He, he almost stopped and had to jump back to his left to try to catch that ball, and that's why it tipped off his hand. Again, it was a, he could have caught it, he should have caught it, but I saw the difficulty in that catch because it again it was off the mark a little bit. It was further to his left than he and he had already ran past that mark. But for some reason, again, a lot of people think that O.J. Howard had like a terrible, terrible season. Basically, he had set the bar for himself so high. I'm assuming in his first two years, you know, everybody was looking at him to t- looking for him to take a big step up, which he should have in his third year, which you want to see in your first round picks. But he had a, you know, he had a down year, and he didn't. All, and he also didn't get as as many opportunities as he had in the previous couple years. So those few opportunities, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't. And have a good hit rate on the few opportunities, low opportunities. He had to he had to be good on all of them, and he wasn't. And people think that he was absolutely horrible. Like, no, he, no, he still has all that potential and all that yeah. everything he came out of Alabama with. So I don't yeah. know where this is. I think it's what have you done for me lately? It's all it is. And absolutely, I mean, in this way, it should be. But I mean, as I think that the I think that it tipped a little bit to. You know, let's see what let's see who he is and what he is. Like you kind of seen who he is and what he is. Like that was what you saw last year for the most part wasn't exactly who he is. If he can stop being an additional right tackle for you know more than half the damn season, you'd probably see him be, you know, the offensive weapon that he you know a lot of people expect him to be. Yeah. Plus, before yeah. I say, can I say one last point real quick? Yeah, go ahead. But I mean, that's with Brady that he knows how to hit the tight ends. I think he's going to excel the most with this. I mean, we put up a couple of clips before, and I think it was our first YouTube uh, video about how he likes to hit tight ends, how he uses their bigger bodies against smaller body defenders to his advantage. It's just an easier mismatch to attack. So I think Brady will utilize that a lot more, and it fits to our advantage. We have Bray now, which who just signed less to play with him. OJ still intact and contract. And then you have those two monsters on the outside. So, to me, weapon-wise, we got it. We'll talk about blocking later, which I know you have good uh, point of view from it. But, plus, go ahead. Take it away. 
Uh, no, I was just going to, I was going to add to that. Um, you know, OJ, I think will be fine. Again, a lot of it is like what you guys said, it's, it's usage rate. And then it's also, uh, you know, just the ability to use him in the right way, which unfortunately he wasn't able to do that because like Robert said, I mean, he had to be used as, um, an inline, you know, offensive lineman, pretty much, you know, extra tight end blocking all the time. I think when they lost Aud Claire, I think that really hurt them as far as utilizing, True. you know, OJ Howard to what they thought maybe in the beginning of the year, they thought they were going to use him like, uh, but you know, hopefully this off season, they understand, okay, this is where we need to put them. Um, and maybe with an upgraded, you know, offensive line and, and depth overall, you know, that'll help them, you know, get more targets. Um, and it, especially with a quarterback like Brady, like Mark was saying, uh, the guy understands where everyone is on the field and he knows how to hit, you know, anticipate passes and knows how to throw with timing. So uh, we should see good numbers for, from OJ. Yeah. And one last point about Brady. I don't necessarily see the drop off that you're talking about. I mean, I know I get the age. This is uncharted territories we're going into. I mean, the dude is 43 when we start games. Hell, if we delay, like you were saying, he could be 44. But, I mean, it's – I just see smart decisions, things we didn't see consistently in Tampa all of last year, all of the past five years. And it's just simple little things, dragging a man over. Yes, it's not going to be all Patriots. It's not going to be all Bucks. It's going to be meshed because he's going to find things that he liked to do. So – I see him dragging someone over, reading the defense better, and saying, okay, well, I already know this guy's going to be open. Why even go to my first read if I know this is going to be open? But that's something, after 20 years playing the game, he developed and knows. So he has more freedom. And he... Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, you know, the one point that always has to be made or needs to be be addressed, and it's for, you know, Bucks fans and fans alike, you know, NFL fans alike, success is non-transferable. What happened in, in New England won't necessarily happen in Tampa. No. Uh, there's a lot of good things that can happen in Tampa. There's a lot of bad things that can happen in Tampa with Brady there as well. Um, but at least that's a, that's a completely different level of optimism. Um, I think Brady brings in. Uh, it's, it's a complete different reset. And again, I believe you know having to raise the bar of everybody's uh, expectations is, is going to be a big, big deal. But uh, but no, I mean he's not he's not bringing his championships with him. Everybody, I think that's 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 a big deal. He's not bringing a title with him. He is he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer for the first year with new people, new everything, and um, and it should be fun to watch. I'm I'm. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, it should be fun to watch. He's bringing competitive fire. Knows what to do. Experience. I mean that's yeah. something we haven't had. But plus, yeah. go ahead. My yeah, quarterback, uh, quarterback, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, and I agree. And, um, you know, just moving on, um, you know, away from the, the Tom Brady, uh, I just want to hear your thoughts, Robert, on just the overall roster, what you think as far as, you know, how this team is constructed, you know, currently, and, and where do you think, you know, needs to happen going forward as far as the roster, um, you know, being built? As far as the roster being built right now, um, we, we see right now the team has a lot of of the last year's roster, which is you know solid. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, there's some positions and everything that could get upgraded, and you know we looked forward to having them upgraded, and, and specifically right tackle, uh, Demar Dotson, who I 
I said every chance I every time I speak I speak his name I I mentioned he's been one of my favorite players in the history of of, uh, of my being a fan of the Bucks. He's he's one of the success stories that people should recognize. Give him his flowers while he can still smell them. He, he's been one of the best stories that you can have out of a NFL player undrafted and came in and did his thing. But he he I don't think he's a good fit. He he's right now he's not he's not signed. He's unsigned. He's a free agent. So that position has to get get upgraded. Um, you got uh, just speaking of the offensive line, we got Kappa, who is a basically he redshirted his first year. He he didn't even play. I think he played a hundred and man, what's a hundred and fifteen snaps all of his rookie year. Last year he came in and he showed that he he showed that he wasn't out of place, and I thought it's a it was a big deal. Uh, the rest of the offensive line, um, you have Donovan Smith, who catches a lot of flack. I think unnecessarily. I think he can be a. I think he's he is what he is. He'll be, he's a guy who will probably give up four or five sacks on a year, probably every year. Uh, but he he did meet a benchmark in his second year of not allowing any sacks. It's a big deal, and that's what coaches look for. I believe that's a that's a big thing. That's that is the offensive line or the left tackle equivalent of getting a thousand yards for a receiver or a running back. Like that's a big deal, and a lot of people don't recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he can get back to, you know, if he can get back to that level that he got, he was in his second year, or at least his level, that level of success, then he's going to be a solid guy. Um, again, so a lot of people think that he can be upgraded immediately. I'm not sure that's a, I'm not sure that's a, a certainty. Um, but I mean, on the offensive side, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of weak oh, areas. Yeah. On the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball is my concern. We have two guys, Indama uh, Kingsu and Pierre Paul, who both got re-signed. Both of those cats, uh, you know, passed their thirties, and I don't think that they're, I don't think that their re-signing should should hold the Bucks back from building for the future when it comes to this upcoming draft. Like I would still, I would love to see a defensive end and a defensive tackle, possibly two defensive tackles. To uh, to be, to be those guys as a replacement because I think that's necessary. My my big deal, and I've kind of been, I've been talking about this for a, at least a year, and definitely recent in writings, is that um, I hate this win now, it's quote unquote win now deal, because I think that the building of the roster kind of is for the past five years at least, maybe six years, has been like okay, this is our window, you got to win now. So a lot of the moves have been reactionary, and then. You know, not building for a future. That's why we have guys like um, MJ Stewart and Ryan Smith and several other guys, I believe, who switched positions at least three times since they've been acquired through the draft or free agency for the Bucks. Like the teams, for the most part, uh, Jason Light, the GM, he catches a lot of flack. Uh, sometimes I believe necessarily, sometimes maybe too much. But my big criticism of him is his not being able to build a roster in a way that was going to be good for not just one year, one short window. Uh, this roster that we have right now going into 2019, even before the draft, I believe is as solid as it can almost be. It's, 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 a, it's a team that, that can, can win if they take care of the pieces like the, J- the Jason Pierre-Pauls as well as the Ndamukong Sue and some of these other older guys. If they can... They can have have those guys uh, have their eventual replacements on just on board. This coming up this year, I think the team 
can win for way more than the two years that everybody's expecting to win with our uh, our Tom Brady acquisition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's I agree with that. I think you know, looking at the roster and and I go back, you know, all the way to 2014, and like it just seemed like certain moves at certain times were kind of you know forced in a way. Uh, you know, instead of like you say, planning things out and really building the roster correctly as far as building from, you know, inside the trenches and then working your way out um, and making sure that you have, you know, a a really good, competent roster um, where it can compete, like you said, for multiple seasons, Um, especially, you know, when we drafted Jameis and and had him in place and, you know, they go out in that same draft, they get the two offense alignment. But then after those seasons, they just continue to they stopped like they stopped adding linemen. It was just forced as far as, you know, free agents here, free agents there. Um, right. Not really seemed like they had a plan in place. It had been a um, knock. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't get started on that one. But, oh. oh, okay. Go but, ahead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, and I agree. I think it's been, you know, kind of one season at a time instead of looking at it from a bigger picture and really putting a roster together. And then with the, you know, the staff changes and stuff of that nature um, hasn't helped, but uh, yeah, I mean, right now looking at the team right now, I think they have a lot of good pieces in place. Now we just got to hope they continue to fortify it and continue to add depth where it, it's needed. And like you said, you know, especially on the defensive line, I think that's where you want to, you want to add, um, you know, high quality uh, impact rookies. If you can um, definitely yeah. do it. Yeah, I'm big on the uh, just about every year. I'm big on uh, on on the defensive line talent and so forth, especially for this team because this team has had a I thought a terrible history of of just being complacent. The defensive line, uh, I have to go back and look at Jerry McCoy, and I know they attempted to have a couple guys with Jerry McCoy, uh, but they were you know, but they for one reason or another, they just weren't high end guys. Um, I forget exactly what, what, uh, what big Adrian Claiborne was, but he, that wasn't a great draft for, you know, defensive tackles or defensive ends when he came in, I don't believe, but, but yeah, I just don't want to see that same thing happen where we rely on one guy and say everybody else is just, you know, good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's been a, that's been an issue that I've it's been something I've taken issue with for at least the last four years um, and I have to go back again I said you know with the right tackle position when I started seeing DeMar Dawson when it felt like he was a liability in the run game and I've said it for a long time a lot of and you know, it kind of just went by the wayside for a lot of people they just thought you know well PFF and such and such graded him out to be this good guy and so forth I'm like hey, watch this run game and he, he was one of those guys who didn't really get any push in the run game. And uh, I was like, well, we need to get a guy in there who can do, you know, who even if nothing else, a special, specialized in running, like a, a, run, a run tackle that can run block. Not just hold a position, but actually move someone back, make a hole, do something. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's been one of those kind of deals when it comes to that position. Again, he was so, he was so well-received, so well-loved, and, and rightfully so. But – there was definitely room to to have somebody else a high higher than a fifth round selection like um well, I believe we had Kadeem Edwards, Kadeem Edwards and, and Caleb Benedock. We had those guys come in. I think you know it's always good to invest in your line to have somebody, you know, you know, at least lined up, but you know, a much higher pick 
could have been used to to address that. Maybe one of those fourth round picks that uh, uh, Hall of Fame kicker uh, Roberto Aguayo used for that. Yeah. Well, we could have used that for a defensive end or something like that. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. just a suggestion. Well, a point about like McCoy, we drafted McCoy, and then second round we drafted Brian Price. I liked Brian Price a lot, and then he had yeah. what two hip surgeries. Like, you, yeah. no one could have predicted that. I mean, that I loved him coming out of UCLA, and I thought his r- rookie season, he played very well. And then who could have counted for that? Same thing, like, with Aaron Sears back in the day. That dude, mm-hmm. well, he got in depression and then was out of the NFL. So, I mean, things like that, you can't blame on the GM for things going wrong. I mean, yes, Aguayo, that's totally on Jason Light. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But he, right. he saw something in it. He was hoping to solve a problem. It didn't work. Yeah, he does need to draft, address the defensive line for years to come, not just for the now, like you're talking about. And I agree with it. And it's oh, – go ahead, go ahead. So real quick. Yeah, so one note on that. So Brian Price was – that was Mark Dominic. That oh, was Mark Dominic yeah. that brought him in. So uh, so when when Light came in, Light had a couple years to have some, to, to bring someone else in. Um of course, he did get he did get defensive end Noah Spence. Uh, was one of my very favorite uh, draft picks. I thought I had the highest expectations. Oh, I was at, I was at least the I was at least super excited for him. I didn't I can't say I had expectations on, him, but I was definitely excited for him. Um, but again, I, but again, you look at what what Light did when it comes to the free agents. He brought in these guys who were non-starters from other organizations who had won in other organizations. A couple of guys were my favorite. Uh, a couple of guys are actually good, um, really good players. My, what's my guy from Seattle? Um, Clint, yeah. Clint um, McDonald was yeah. a favorite of mine. Oh, and that was the kind of, yeah. yeah, that was the kind of leadership I loved hearing from, from a veteran player or any player. He, he was so one of those guys. I love that voice. <laughs> he, he was just a super cool cat. And I, yeah. and I loved the way he played. But then you had him, and then you had Chris Baker, and then you had, uh-huh. um, then you had Bo Allen again. Bo Allen was serviceable, and then you had uh, Vinny Curry. Those guys were rotational guys. They weren't anywhere near the level of a Gerald McCoy. They could, I mean, and a lot of people are not. I get it, but I just thought that there could have been a better investment to get players that can be impact players. Yeah. Not just asking another, not asking you know veterans to kind of step up and be something that they are not starter level players. I just thought that there could be a better allocation when it of a resource when it comes to the defensive line to to kind of make up for a lot of other things that that was missing. And that was just my opinion though. It, it kind of plays into your point of okay, we got Jameis and we got those two tackles you were talking about. We already had Mike Evans, and we all of a sudden we drafted Chris Godwin. We had OJ Howard. We're, we we signed Deshaun Jackson. We just got all these weapons and weapons and weapons. But then there was always an excuse of, oh, we need more a better running game. Even though Doug Martin had a great running game one time. Then we we don't block well enough. Oh, we don't kick well enough. Well, when does it come? Okay, well, what about the defense? We don't have anything to stop anyone. And it's not just because our offense isn't doing enough enough for the quarterback. It's just there's nothing – back there for him to to shine like Joe McCoy or whoever said player is it's just right. like you're saying playing for the future don't just go all in one place all your eggs in one basket because you're going to shit the bed and the rest 
right now though the team is is balanced when it comes to talent. It's as balanced as it's as balanced as I, as I could want it. To be honest with you, it's as as balanced as I can want it. There's a lot of talent, young talent, that for at least the next five, six, seven years between between Chris Godwin and and Mike Evans, who's only 26. You got him, you got Godwin, you got OJ. All these guys who are under 26 or 27 years, 26 years old, all under 26. You got all those guys that are lined up. Uh, the only issue is, of course, we have the you know the salary cap and so forth and having to retain some of these guys. Um, so, I mean, there's ways to fix that too. There's ways to, to supplement their talent through the draft, this draft and next year and so forth. Uh, on the defensive side, you have a lot of, I know we have a lot of fans who clamor for, you know, a veteran presence in the secondary. Well, who is that veteran presence going to take over for? Carlton Davis, the guy who got thrown in the fire so early and got burned so badly and then came out being like a, a super good cornerback. Or at least I think he's a pretty super good. I actually think he's really, really good uh, at cornerback. You have him. Is he, is he a veteran presence going to come in and take over him or take over Jamel Dean, the rookie, who again got thrown into the fire and he came out and met the challenges and became a super top, you know, a top end cornerback for a rookie. That person gonna take over for Jim, uh, Sean Murphy uh, Bunting, a guy who came in again, thrown into the fire, and has grown into his position. Like who is this veteran? Right now, next year, your veteran presence is the guy who got his ass tore up against New Orleans uh, his first week of playing in the league last year. I'm sorry, the year before, Carlton Davis, your third year, third year player. That's gonna be or should be your veteran presence. Um, if there's a veteran presence at safety, so be it. But you got guys back there who are playing well enough, I believe, and have enough potential and young enough that you shouldn't be trying to you shouldn't be trying to replace them yet. Um, you can find another younger player who's as talented but not yet as experienced. I think that's one thing. But as far as these veteran presence, you can't take any of these guys out who been putting in the fire the way that they have. They They've earned it, to my, in my opinion. Like the secondary, those young guys who everybody claimed didn't play well enough to win until the last six games of last season. You know, yeah, that, that I, I don't believe in that whatsoever. I thought those guys, those guys played well enough to win the f- pretty much the entire first half. Not playing, not not played well enough to to win games on their own, but they definitely weren't such liabilities that they lost games. Uh, at least that was my opinion. But those guys, like, that's that's what I'm saying about having young guys that can play for the future. Those cats, that's just a, I think that's just a super good quarter to build around and to help those guys. There's nothing better than you, no, nothing better that can happen than to get the defensive line completely solidified for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I, I think you know, looking at the secondary, I, I'm really impressed with. Uh, you know what what they have right now especially in carlton davis uh sean murphy bunting um looking at um you know jamel dean i think jamel dean is probably he's going to be probably the best corner on the team uh to be honest awesome. yeah i mean he's really good and then you look at you know jordan whitehead for whatever reason doesn't get the respects um it seems like he's always the guy that you know we need to replace or you know you know throw somewhere else i don't know but the dude's really good. Uh, same thing with uh, Mike Edwards. I think he's going to come into his own and, and be fine. Um, and then you have, you know, 
uh, Andrew Adams, who I think is a decent uh, safety to have back there. Um, obviously, the wild card is Justin Evans. I mean, if we can get him back somehow, uh, that would be great. But, yeah, I think secondary is in a, in a good position. Uh, and I agree that I think they need to add up front. I think, obviously, last year they hit the home run with uh, Shaq Barrett. So hopefully, you know, they keep him around for a long time and um, he can be one of those core pieces. And now we just need to keep adding to that. And hopefully that starts um, with this draft coming up. Yeah. Yeah, so before we move on to the draft talk, which is that's the next topic, obviously we touched on a little bit, but one of your favorites, Mike Glenn, was mentioned in the in the YouTube chat. So just saw that. Yeah, you saw that. So I kind of brought up the question: Who had a longer neck, Michael Johnson or Mike Glennon? Michael Johnson, uh, former, former defensive end. Yeah, the the from the Bengals. Ah, uh, go go get definitely neck. Mike. Definitely Mike Glennon, man. Yeah. Mike Glennon. Yeah. Yeah. Glennon wins hands down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the vote in the chat, too. But I just had to bring that up first. A little comedy, little segment. But uh, I love Michael Johnson, by the way, though. He got a bad rap. He he got a super bad rap in, in, in Tampa. That man left Tampa after somebody, some clown called him a ghost or so, whatever it was. Uh-oh. But he, uh, yeah, that, that dude was hurt the entire year. I'm not even kidding him. And I told you guys I did that one commercial for the Bucks back in May. No, it was June. I think it was June. It was June. They were like in and not even in training camp yet. But Mike, Michael Johnson, who is from Meridian, Mississippi. He uh I'm sorry, we were talking about Meridian, Mississippi, but that dude couldn't even get in his stance. Literally could not get in his stance without complete discomfort. Like I had to shoot this thing that we did with him so quick. Uh, but he fought through it, but he could not get down whatsoever. He he started the preseason and played in the preseason games, absolutely hurt. Mm-hmm. He played the whole year. And, of course, when he got rested up, he went over to Cincinnati and led, and was like one of the top yeah. five in quarterback pressures or whatever. But, uh, yeah, somebody called him a ghost, and he went on to be better than the guys that we replaced him with. So. <laughs> that's a buck's life right there. It truly yeah. is. I mean, that's – it's almost why I've been joking around at work about it. It's like, it's a Bucks life. We get Tom Brady and then watch the damn NFL season get canceled because of COVID nineteen. That's just that's right. just the shit that happens. Don't change his jersey to nineteen. Watch him. Oh yeah, I was I was saying that or watch because we didn't sign him or he's not going to sign. Oh, someone was telling Tampa's just a shit place, but hey, he's living at Jeter's house, so let's give praise to that. But uh, right. let's move over to the draft. So. On Twitter, I posted this little. It's still on oh no, a final result, so almost a thousand nine hundred people voted. What position should the Bucks address with their first round pick? What do you think is the answer? I know I without even looking, and I'm not, but I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure someone, you know, everybody decided to go all offensive tackle. That's what, I mean, we do have to have an offensive tackle, right tackle specifically. Yeah, it's, yeah I mean, it's it's not a. It's not a surprise because we do need the uh, we do need to, uh, to name a right tackle as a starter. We need to have a right tackle. I'm sorry, we need to have a talent capable of being a starter or playing at a starter level at that position. Uh, but no, I went. It's, a, it's so many. I would take, I would take defensive tackle, defensive end, and I would 100% entertain taking wide receiver before taking the offensive tackle. Like I. In my opinion, I believe you want to look for, need to have an impact player 
uh, with your first round pick, somebody who had come in and actually changed the course of a game, not change the course of a game by himself, but at least give you some kind of advantage, uh, not just fill a role, fill in a starting spot. I feel like you I feel like right now we in a position to actually take an impact player, somebody who can, uh, when it comes to wide receivers, somebody who could com- completely mess things up for defense. We already got two guys who are capable of being a wide receiver. Uh, sorry, the number one wide receiver for either the Bucks or someone else. You add another third round. I'm sorry, another third guy who could come in and be a starter. Somebody like a, you know, just pie in the sky dream scenario. Someone like a Jerry Judy. C.D. Lamb or Henry Ruggs, somebody who can completely change the whole makeup of what a defense has to do. Like, who, who is going to do what when it comes to the secondary? Like, you know, you got guys who can beat you in every single way. Again, I mean, I would take that over taking an offensive tackle who can who can block just well enough and and uh, you know, either in the pass game or the run game. That's just me. That's, that's how I feel. I, and, but then I've been wrong before, though. I've been wrong before when I said uh, – I still don't feel like I'm wrong enough for that one. For Devin White, like last year I didn't want, I didn't like Devin White at number five. Mm-hmm. Like, I really didn't. I thought a defensive tackle, someone on the line, would have fared better for the Bucks. Not because I didn't like Devin White as a, as a talent. And I absolutely I, – and in, in the moment that they announced him, I I'm, said I'm 100% in. I love him. I love what he can do. And – and I love what he what he was for the Bucks last year. He just he just got better as the season got on. But he came in with a, enough questions for me to be like, okay, I, I know good and well taking him isn't um, taking him at number five isn't probably the best move for the Bucks. But once they picked him, I absolutely loved him. But when it comes to offensive tackle, man, I, I just don't I don't like it at all. I don't like an I don't like taking an offensive tackle in the first round. Not for our team. I don't like it. But I do kind of understand it now that we have the greatest commodity in the NFL right now and in Tom Brady. Hmm. But do I sell that out for, do I sell out my top 14 pick for, you know, possible one, two years for covering Tom Brady when I believe, you know, a decent, solid starter level guy who's not a liability in either the run game or the pass game. Do I think that would do? Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Personally, I, I love Henry Ruggs. I think he's um, I think he's got a really good chance of being the number one receiver taken in this draft uh, just because of his, his speed ability. And I think separation is is critical, especially in today's NFL. And he's got ability to separate separate from guys, um, you know, going up against certain defenses and everything. He can stretch the field, pretty much do it all. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, secretly, I wouldn't hate if they took Henry Ruggs at 14. I would love that just to see it. Um, and I think Tom Brady would love him too. But as far as offensive line, you know, at 14, I think it's, you know, it's going to be in consideration for sure. And it depends on, you know, who's really available at that spot. Um, if it's, you know, a, a Jedrick Wills or a, you know, Andrew, Andrew Thomas, I think they're going to consider it because those guys, they have an ability to play left or right. Um, you know, but Kai Beckton and Tristan Wirfs, I think, are super athletic, athletic, uh, gifted uh, players, but they're a little bit raw as far as their technique goes and maybe not as ready as a Jedrick Wills or Andrew Thomas. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you as far as impact players. I think defensive line, I think Kate LeVon Chase on, I think would be fun. I think that guy makes a lot of sense. And I think he'd be available 
the two defensive tackles, Kinlaw and, and Derek Brown, I think have a chance to be there, but I'm not counting on it because you have San Francisco right in front of us, and, and that could be a logical spot for both. And then you have you know teams like Carolina, Arizona, um, Jacksonville. All those teams could take those those type of guys. So, but you know, bottom line is. Um, I, I could see it either way. I think if you get a right tackle, it needs to be a guy that can play left tackle eventually because I mean, most likely if you're getting a guy that high, he's going to eventually replace Donovan Smith due to contract reasons and, and salary cap and, and you move on from him. But that's, you know, that's just my way of thinking, but I'm, I'm good with either way. Uh, well, let me ask you, uh, man, I was about to ask you a question about, um, against a couple of the other guys who are offensive linemen. I mean, do you believe in this, you know, the big four? I've been seeing a lot of people talk about the big four when it comes to offensive linemen, especially the tackles. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't I don't know about those guys, which would be Wills, Worse, Becton, and Thomas. Right. Uh, so those guys, like, I, I, I don't, again, I'm, I'm com- I don't know if I can be sold on on taking one of the offensive tackles like that, but guys like Josh Jones, guys like Lucas Yang, who has uh, I think he's had like a couple knee injuries and so forth. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Wilson from Georgia, right. those kind of guys, like uh, like I would be more than happy with taking one of those guys. So I believe can be a starter level, um, right tackle, you know, right off the right off the bat, because um, I think the big issue is, and again, this is. Could be complete. Could be all of NFL fandom and fandom in general, but I we see that we need a need at a position. This isn't the first time. What we see, we have a need at a position, and then we start thinking about the very first one we can get mm-hmm. instead of thinking, you know, we just need one who is good enough, the one who, you know, and I, again, I, I spoke about being complacent early and how much I didn't like being complacent, but we're talking about overreaching. Uh, at least I'm thinking overreaching for a guy who's good enough to be a starter and good enough to be solid. Like we don't need the greatest right tackle. We didn't need the greatest offensive guard a couple years ago when uh, when Quentin Nelson was the guy because uh, he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna fix your woes. Your right tackle ain't gonna help. Can only help Alex Kappa so much. Your right tackle can only help Ryan Jensen so much, and it's very little. Like he can really only help the guy that's to his left of him, and and, and that's it. Like if he gets beat. Well, if he's got his guy, then he can't he can't jump in and help Alex Cap or Ryan Jensen or whoever get that guy. Right. So I'm like, that's one guy you got blocking. You know, one guy possibly two at some point if he chips his guy and and you know go do some you know go find some work somewhere else. Whereas a defensive tackle, a defensive end, or you know an outside linebacker who can rush the quarterback can basically change what the offense does. It, it completely gives an advantage one way or another if if the talent is there to do so mm-hmm. so about this draft talk first round pick and everything again everything applies to who the hell is available we don't even know what we're saying it could be Kinlaw it could be Derek Brown it could be one of the top four offensive tackles Henry Ruggs we're throwing around a lot of names but I'm going to look at it from the defensive scheme we're running that's another reason why even we didn't really like Devin White at number five. Our biggest take was positional value, and then that was pretty much it. Top five pick, number five overall for a middle linebacker, that was a little too rich for me. But then 
you see him in this system, the way this defense is run, and he looks like an all-star. Once he starts clicking, he starts understanding where he needs to be. Like after that London game, he was pissed off. He played like a bat out of hell the rest of the season. And I love that. He got, he got stiff-armed and right? embarrassed the hell out of. That's why. And he got a fire lit in his ass, and he turned it all around. And he he played like the hardest, like, <laughs> I must not say this, like Tim Tebow after he lost. <laughs> well, I'll shut up about Florida Gators. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, other than that, I mean, he justified being that fifth overall pick. So, to me, I'm looking at the way we play the game. Offensive tackle, to me, you got Tom Brady, a guy that knows how to get rid of the ball fast. If it's a fast get rid of, it's more look at your guards and center. That That's where you have to get rid of it fast. You can hold it longer if you have offensive tackles or farther away from the ball. So, really, if he's going to get rid of it fast, you don't really need an offensive tackle. If he, Especially if you have the best decision maker in the game. To me, looking at our defense, it's a run. The defensive tackles stop the run first. They clog holes. They take up space and open up gaps for who? Middle linebackers. Levante David, Devin White behind me. So, yes, Javon Kinlaw, Derek Brown fit perfect in this defense. We're going to go over Kinlaw later in the week, but that dude would be a perfect pick. I mean, he knows how to already do it. He's, he already did it in South Carolina. He would occupy two people, shed both, and then go after a guy. So, I think he's a plug-and-play guy, a guy instant contributor instant could be starter over Sue. If Sue does take that deep dive, like how everyone says Tom Brady could take that deep dive, even though I'm a big Sue fan, I think he fits his defense, right? But like you say, looking towards the future, what, what else do we have? I mean, everyone's looking at Brady. What if it is Sue? So there's so many directions we can go. I think we're at a good spot at 14. Wait and see who falls. If it is Henry Ruggs. Okay. Well now we have, a scapegoat if Chris Godwin does want an astronomical amount of money or I truly want him to stay. But, I mean, there's a lot of situations that can go on. It's how do the cards fall, right? I mean, right. there's a lot of guys I like. I, I can name a bunch of guys. We just named a bunch. And even Chase on, like you mentioned. So, it's more, to me, I don't want to get hyped up about every pick that there is. It's more justifying a certain player to fit in this scheme. That's me. That's my take. No, and I, I do agree with it. It's uh, it's about who's available and so forth. Uh, but even with though, even with those available, there's so many guys. And I think I, uh, I think you and I spoke about this a little bit uh, through messaging, one one way or another. But there's so many other positions I would take like their top five than taking one of the top four or five um, of offensive tackles. Like I would take one of the top five defensive tackles. I'll take you to one of the top three defensive tackles, one of the top four defensive ends, or one of the top five wide receivers. They all would be more of an impact player to me than just about any yeah, any offensive tackle that's in this draft. Top five or not. Like they the position itself just doesn't doesn't carry the weight. Uh you don't want to put some scrub at right tackle in, in with any quarterback bob, you know, there. You don't want to put a liability there whatsoever. So you get a guy who, who's good. But again, it does depend on how the draft uh, how it unfolds and who does what and who gets that Skype call in first or that Zoom call <laughs> in first. Send that email in and say, hey, that's what we want. Hope we don't get intercepted. Yeah, no, and, and those are great points. I mean, my concern is if you don't take an offensive tackle at 14, 
you know, what are you exactly going to be getting, you know, later in the draft? Because there is going to be a run on offensive tackles because it's in demand. I mean, it's a position that is, you know, kind of struggling overall throughout the league. Um, and it's, you know, teams need to upgrade that position. And there could be, I mean, we did a mock draft the other day and we had seven offensive tackles going in the first round. So it's, it's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's how we had it playing out. And, you know, you could, you could honestly see that happening, um, you know, in this year's draft and it's like, okay, you're at 45 now, you know, who, who are you going to get as far as, you know, talent that, that it is that offense tackle. Is it going to be better than saying, okay, let's take this guy at 14. Don't have to worry about it. It's all said and done, you know? So, I, I mean, I can, I'm just trying to put, put the picture in as far as, you know, where these guys are coming from as far as winning offensive tackle at, at the first round selection. No, I get why a lot of people want it. Uh, but I also understand that a lot of people uh, want to just feel, want to feel the spot because it's the first thing that they can do. Uh, they want to take the first guy available. That's what a lot of people do. I mean, I, I don't. I, like I said I don't agree with that. Um, I don't see a phenom at offensive tackle that'll make so much of a difference for for the Bucks. Um, but then again, we do have. I, again, I I don't want to don't want to double talk myself here because I said not long ago that getting an offensive tackle, or getting a, um, a a right guard, uh, someone like Quentin Nelson. When you have a commodity back there that's worth that kind of investment, and you know you got you got to take care of that, then you absolutely have to do what you have to do. Um, and like I said, Tom Brady is probably that guy. So I 100% I 100% believe that they can go offensive tackle uh, or offensive line in whichever way they choose to to uh, to place to place to pick. I just don't think that. that Offensive tackles going to be an impact player. It's not going to give us an an advantage. And I said us, Bucks fans. I don't think it's going to give us an advantage the way a defensive tackle, defensive end, or even a wide receiver, and God forbid, a running back. But I don't think that they. Uh, I don't think that an offensive tackle is going to give you. It's going to give you an offensive edge. It'll give you. It'll give you some stability, but it's not going to give you an edge. And that's kind of the question as to how. Um, how the Bucks or Jason Light wants to build a team. I think you were reading the chat about that running back spot, but there's actually a really good question I want to ask you. We were actually talking about this prior. Um, Ken Grant from Twitter, K Grantification on YouTube says, "Who are the two to four best edges in your opinion, like edge rushers after uh, Young, Chase Young, and then who's your third best defensive tackle, and are they worth?" being taken at 14th, 14th overall. Yeah, so let me start with the defensive ends. Right. Absolutely. If Epinesa out of Iowa is available, absolutely. 100%. That cat hits. The, uh, he stops the run on the way to the quarterback. 5'10". Mm. Check, check out Epinesa. Check out uh, Gross Matos out of Penn State. Not a lot of cats are talking about him. Uh, you also got my boy... Um, Man, this this guy haven't talked about it at all at all. Uh, Julian Aquara out of Notre Dame. Him and Kadeem um, is another guy out of Notre Dame out of Notre Dame as well. Um, gosh, Kadeem something, but yeah, Kadeem. Kadeem, yeah. So those guys, I would take those cats at at fourteen if they were available. Uh, when it comes to defensive tackle, uh, gosh, 
I know uh, Plesk introduced me to Hamilton, who was a guy I had been looking. Uh, I had just started looking at a little bit ago. Hamilton, he's one of those top five guys, whatever. No, he's not. I wouldn't say he's a top five guy, but he's a he's a decent talent. When it comes to the defensive tackles, the guy I've kind of been talking about lately is Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma. That guy, for better or worse, when you look at him, or when I look at him, I I get flashes of Gerald McCoy. For better or worse, for you people who you don't know, like him, whatever. But uh, Gerald McC- I get a little bit of Gerald McCoy out of out of Gallimore. Uh, Ross Blacklock is another cat who's kind of is kind of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my top three defensive tackles definitely Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, and Neville Gallimore. I think the I think the gap between the you know the top echelon uh, prospects is it stops at Gallimore, and then it becomes a little bit of a gap. Uh, right now, until I start taking a better look at uh, Blacklock, but those four defensive tackles, those guys, those those four, uh, Brown, Gallimore, Kenlaw, and um, and uh, Blacklock, Blacklock, like those guys, yeah, those those are the cats I would I would look at, and I'd say if in those four were available, I would I would consider taking them at 14. The first two. Uh, Ken Law and Brown, it's a, it's not even a question. I take those guys, but I think the gap between Gallimore and those two is a, is a lot closer than a lot of other people. Um, but yeah, I, I think those those guys are, are definitely above offensive tackle talent in my mind. Yeah. So Ken Grant says that Espinosa, he doesn't have enough athletic ability to play the position he thinks. He thinks he has a good floor, but not a high ceiling. Yeah, I'm not a draft expert, so I don't know what the hell that means. I'm just telling you. <laughs> just like athletic ability to, to, to grow for the position. Like, like <laughs> getting better. I'm being facetious, man. I'm being facetious. I just no, have no, to check. No, no. No, I, I'd, uh, I, I would tell my young man, whoever it was that made that comment, to go back and take a look at some more some more videos of him. Go back and don't watch the highlights of him, but go and watch go and watch some games of him. And uh, Epinesa is definitely... He's definitely one of the top tier talents uh, on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, too many people look at his, you know, combine numbers instead of, you know, just look at the tape. I mean, yeah. he he makes things happen. Uh, again, you don't need your defensive end to run forty yards down the field. It's all about short area quickness, and he's got plenty of that. You know, I actually this year I was working. I was actually in. Uh, I was actually in Orlando doing some work there, so I missed most of the uh, combine. Um, is that is that where that that assessment comes from? Is that Epinesis? He didn't have a good combine. Is that yeah. what people are getting out of that? They had a five, yeah. five forty yard dash as a defensive end. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but just look at the sheer size: six five, two seventy five, thirty four and a half inch arms, ten and an eighth inch hands. That's like a perfect five tech. I'm thinking like Richard Seymour. Remember hey, me- four? I mean, wreak havoc. And this this is my opinion between him, uh, between Epinesa and Gross Matos, uh, I would say this: though both of those guys have a build similar to uh, a little bit of of what William Ghoston was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they and they both both possess way better pass rush coming into the league, better pass rush better pass rush skills than William Ghoston, and they can still stop the run. Again, those cats stop the run on the way to the quarterback. And those cats, if you watch them and you watch the competition they were playing against, they were making moves, both of them. And, um, yeah, I, I would suggest taking a look at that that 
both of those young men again, like they are, they are definitely, they are definitely up there. Like they are the they, they are definitely the top in the top ten of defensive line talent, and they can one of those two could be available at fourteen. Well, Ken Grant said not like uh, Chase Young or Joey Bosa. All right, we're talking top three picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's not gonna be. I mean, he's not a freak yeah. athlete. Yeah, but he's gonna do his job. I mean, I want like you you've mentioned this before competence. Give me someone that's going to do your job and the assignment you're supposed to do. Like, don't just give me a freak athlete that doesn't know what the hell he's going to do. He's going to run a million miles an hour that way, and then the play is going that way. I, I, I hate that type of player. It's, especially at offensive line, when you're protecting your so-called franchise. And if, yeah. Give me confidence. See, and that, yeah, and, and, uh, and I kind of get the – I'm getting a notion here that uh, the same cat who's who, – making these comments. Uh, sorry for everybody who's listening on the podcast and not being able to see. Uh, but there's a notion that 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 um that William Golston isn't isn't a uh he is not a force. He's not a factor in the pass rush. That's that's absolutely not true like at all. Like his pass rush has grown since he's been coming to the league. He's only got he's gotten better every year in his pass rush. If you're looking at sack numbers you won't see him. But if you're watching a game you watching who's causing some of these strip sacks and who's breaking down these right tackles. Did you hear what I said? Right tackles who is getting these right tackles out of their out of their area and they can't help some of these other guys coming in. That's William Golston. William Golston is doing that. And William Golston, if you again, if you imagine a guy who can stop the run, be the, he can set the edge on the run and also get at the quarterback. He stand in for all three downs. You can get at the quarterback. Man, that's that's a big deal. That's that's a much bigger deal than than I think a lot of people can um, that they can understand at this point. Not looking at the game, if they're not looking at the actual film, and I, I hate saying film, but not watching the actual video of what right. this dude does. Like he, it is. He, he's not paramount. He's not the most talented guy, obviously, on the defensive line. But that man is a big part of the pass rush, and he has caused a lot of havoc. Um, if you just go back and watch some of these games and you can isolate it, uh, NFL all 22 is free until we get out of this epidemic stage that we're in and all this other stuff. If you go back and look at some of these games, you can go back and look at every Bucks game there is for the, you know, going back to 2008 or 2009, whatever it may be and watch and watch what William Gosen does. Watch his growth, watch him from the, you know, being a fourth round pick that he was come up to being, you know, getting his second contract. William Golson got his second contract from a fourth round pick. He's with the Bucks still, and he's still making plays, and he's causing some, he's causing some some other players to make plays. So, mm-hmm. got to watch that. Yeah, I mean Golson's a he's a people mover. I mean he knows how to he knows how to get people pushed back or or make he knows how to make uh, things happen for other people. Uh, I think he's one of the bigger reasons why. You know, Shaq Barrett had one of his best years or his best year in his his career. Um, he definitely helped um, a lot of things happen on a defensive front. So, yeah, I, I think he's improved tremendously, and I think he's just getting started, uh, to be honest. I think that, you know, hopefully he'll get some more – I think he deserves more playing time, and I think hopefully he'll get that this season. But, yeah, he's a big force uh, up front. Does a lot of good things, especially in – not only the run game, but you know, just in pass rush games general. I mean, he knows how to he knows how to move the pocket, and that's what you want. 
Yeah, I mean, and he's, again, he's gotten better. He Again, I remember when Jerry McCoy made the statement that William Golston came to him as a rookie and was like he never had to rush the passer when he was at Michigan State. Right. And he, you know, that long, slender body, he got bigger. He got bigger, and he, he actually gets – he actually gets in the backfield. Like he, he's not just holding the edge. He gets in the backfield and he makes some plays. And you know, it's right. only so much you can say until you, so, until you show someone some film. But you're not going to find highlight reels of William Gosen. Uh, all you're going to find are people who can actually appreciate and watch games well enough to point out exactly what it is that uh, other people are missing. But now he's a good he's a good player. Though. He's he's a solid guy. But there's a, those other guys that I mentioned are definitely, you know, they're definitely. If you start with him where he is right now, that's where they are, as a as a run defender as well as a uh, as well as someone who can rush the passer. Like they starting where William Gosen is now. Three, I'm sorry, six years and did his his uh, six years now. How long have you been in the league? This is gonna be number six, right? Uh, seventh year. Wow. Because so, he's been yeah. Been in the league since 2013. So. Yeah. So yeah, that's those guys, in my opinion, are starting where he is right now in his pass rush, and they and they have his they have his ability to stop the run at least at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think those guys can be good. That's again, that's Gross Matos and um, and Epinesa. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So before I, we're getting long into this, but there's a question about our safety position. What do you look at at the safety room? So, I mean, obviously, Justin Evans' injury, you don't know. It's up in the air. Plus, touched on Jordan Whitehead, how he's underlooked at. I mean, he just doesn't get the recognition he should, similar to Levante David. Uh, Mike Edwards coming up. I mean, people want us to draft a safety, but not letting us develop a safety. So, what do you think about that room? I still feel solid about the uh, about the safeties and so forth, man. They Again, those are the young guys. I think we got we resigned Adams. Uh, he had a couple years ahead. He had a couple years in, but I still I still like the young guys being back there. Um, obviously, if there can be some other younger talent that comes in and and kind of be groomed under those guys, somebody who has some some players who has you know, some some potential, then I you know nobody should should turn their nose up about that. But I like I like what we have back there as the starters and. Uh, I just have to check the depth again, but I like I like those guys. I, I like who's back there. A lot of those guys got a lot of talent. A lot of those guys, again, they're all young. We'll see those guys haven't even been in the league three years. So a lot of room to grow, a lot of room to get better. But nobody's back there has been proven to be a lot builder in my mind. I think I think there's a lot to build on with those cats. Yeah, I would agree. I, you still have uh, Dakota Dixon, I think, coming back as well. Um, you know, I think he could be you know, someone that they, you know, put in place and as part of the rotation. So I don't see it as a big need. I don't see the secondary as overall um, thing that you have to address in this draft. I think you can find some guys maybe day three if you if you want to, um, or maybe, you know, undrafted free agents as well. But, yeah, I would think, you know, defensive line, offensive line, you know, running back, even receiver as well, you know, address those positions and, and see what you can do as far as building, um, you know, front to back. But I think they're in good shape as far as the secondary goes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just want to remind anybody who's listening. I know definitely when I say that they're in good shape, that's not saying that you know, things can't be better, but I'm not, I'm by all means telling you that right now they're not in a position where, you know, it's an, it's an immediate 
need for a replacement. Uh, right. Obviously, we can use depth at every every way that we can get it. Mm-hmm. But as far as the talent that's there, the talent is there. The talent is definitely there as well as potential. And I know potential has an expiration date. But those guys, again, a lot of those guys have been put in the fire super early. And it's too too late to take them out now. And just, I think it's just got to let them grow. Got to let them grow into it. Got to let them got to let them continue to be because I think while nobody was completely like just out of this world impressive, I think a lot of those guys played really well for the conditions that they were playing in because they got tested a lot. Mm-hmm. So many of those drives that they had to try to stop a score on were, you know, already in field goal position. And uh, they bent a lot, but they not, did not necessarily break. They didn't necessarily break, but they, they definitely took their lumps. And uh, I think they – I think it's a good. I think it's a good area to be in. I think they. I think they're solid. I think they're solid enough to continue with. I think they're solid. I think they can all get better. I think they all have the, the talent to get better. It's just going to be what, just going to be what they see coming up this uh this upcoming season, especially during the practices now with uh, with the quarterback that's kind of seen a whole lot of looks with uh 20 plus years experience, mm-hmm. and then again just raising the level of expectations for all of them and and raising raising a bar for everything. So I, I think they're good. Now with that, I just have one more question. What do y'all think about the uniforms? Do you think it's going to be just classic old school stuff with just like the Super Bowl uniform, or do you think it's going to be total overhaul? There's going to be a lot more orange and stuff like that. And that'll be the last question. As far as the uniforms concerned, I don't think there's a, uh, I actually have no real knowledge of what the uniforms they look like, but I kind of I'm having a little bit of doubt when it comes to the uh, to the orange, which kind of is almost de- not depressing. It's almost disappointing though. If they take out what was named uh, Bay Orange in the last uniform, if they take it out completely, I you know I don't know how to feel about it. Uh, but I guess they would still have it a little bit in the helmets. But uh, yeah, man, the uniforms um they come out on Tuesday. They coming out on Tuesday. They're coming out on Tuesday, and that's and that's gonna be something. I hope they don't mess up the reveal like they did the last ones, dude. You guys, you guys remember the last ones when they came out? You saw them in the paper. You're like, what the hell is <laughs> going on here? I'll never forget where I was. I was in Saint. I was in Saint Pete doing a, a Saint Pete doing a job with one of uh, one of the guys who worked with the quarterbacks for the Bucks. I can't remember his name, but um, I got the I got the image on my phone and I looked at it, and I almost threw my phone in the in the freaking water. I was, what is? It was so weird to see, but it, just, it, it was such a radical change, and they uh, they had taken it on this really weird backdrop that was, was all mm-hmm. black, and it just so it looked like toys or something like that. I'm like, well, this is this is fake. Get this out of my face. <laughs> or the hazard sign, like little glow in the dark numbers. But did you guys? Did anybody else think that was cool? I thought the numbers that reflected and the you know nobody nobody thought it was cool. I thought no. it was. Oh man. <laughs> I, I thought we, that was one of the worst things I saw immediately. Like they they try to bring it really? out in the dark, and they like Gerald McCoy was there with the helmet, and he's like, "Oh, let's look at the uniform." And I'm like, "Nah." <laughs> to me, what I if they like, kept? What if they kept the same reflector, uh, the same re- the reflection stuff? What if they kept that and they changed the uniforms back to the old old styling and this and the old numbers? You see, I, I wasn't even that mad about the numbers. People hated the analog clock little numbers. Honestly, I wasn't even that phase. It was more, it just looked doofy. I guess I couldn't even say anything else. Like just the random stuff. That were, I don't know. It looked like I hated the numbers. 
I hated the numbers. I loved the reflection. The only problem was that we, you know, didn't play well enough to get any Monday night games and then, you know, night games actually showed that off. <laughs> yeah, right. That was it. Uh, but I thought about all the cool stuff that could happen if they had night games or at least we showed them or they showed them running through the tunnels in the dark and it had the lighter, you know, had the reflections coming in, but that never happened. And I should talk to the uh, Bucks media team about that. It was terrible. <laughs> Well, they've done good in the damn advertising. I'll say that. And oh yeah. Me, me personally, just bring just bring wins. Uh, they could re- they could wear blue, orange, doesn't matter, red, green, purple. Uh, just give me wins. That's all that matters. People. You sound like somebody. Yeah. You, you must have burned. You you must have had to burn your Josh Freeman jerseys or something like that. <laughs> no, don't have a Josh Freeman jersey. I had a Chris Sims. Chris Sims. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually did have a. Uh, I actually did have a, a Josh Freeman jersey. I think this is the most time I've called his name since he left the team. <laughs> but I did have a, I had a number five jersey. I had a number five jersey only because it matched my shoes. That's the only time I wore the, uh, I ended up wearing a, a Bucks jersey. And I mm. got it like for like $7 or something like that. That's it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right, with that, no more questions. We've been live streaming for a while. Thank you all for being on so long. But Robert Green. Let everyone know where they can find you, where they can hear you. And let me get this up going while you're talking, too. Go ahead. Oh, man. I want to first and foremost thank you, Cats, for having me on. Um, people can catch me, Bucks fans, NFL fans. They can catch me at Outside Leverage uh, podcast available through anchor.fm. Um, I'm also on Twitter, social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Twitter. Uh, P-I-N-N-A-Q-L, the number three, that's Pinnacle, uh, the Q, and the three instead of the E. Um, but yeah, and also writing for one of the originators of Buck's podcast as well as blogs, whatthebuck.net, uh, run by, or used to be run by Derek Fournier, old school, one of the coolest cats around. Um, again, I'm appreciative of you guys having me on and fellow Bucks fans. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, continue to check out Real Bucks Talk, uh, both on the podcast as well as the YouTube stream. Uh, these cats are on their way up, just like a lot of other um, podcasts are coming out. These cats are consistent. If you're listening now, you, you already know, but uh, I should definitely get it out uh, to other people who are looking for Bucks content. These cats are they're doing, they're fighting a good fight. Um, Find a good fight doing doing a lot of analytical stuff now and as well as you know giving some honest opinions which is just very much needed and it's not all about the the likes with these cats it's about the, the love of the bugs as well as the frustration and they don't hide it uh when it comes in other form so again i want to thank you guys for having me on man i appreciate it oh thank you very much robert i mean it was great yeah, having you on not a dull moment put it that way no nah, never never ever and uh, to the young fellows, I apologize again for the people who are listening to this on the uh, on the audio podcast and not the live stream. But uh, again, man, it's all opinions. Um, a lot of this stuff is backed up by facts. Some of the stuff that I say and, a lot, and pretty much a lot of the stuff that you guys say. But all of these opinions, man, it's good to have an opinion as long as the conversation can remain civil. And that's kind of the thing that uh, I pretty much strive for. I look for a lot of different perspectives from everybody. 
as long as the conversation can come back to being a Bucks fan and not being anything else on a you know, in an isolated area. So again, I'll thank you guys for for being a part of that those conversations. And uh, yeah, any other Bucks fans that want to follow me or you know interact with me, whatever, I'm available. Awesome, Robert. All right, plus, you have any last words? No, thanks again to uh, Robert for joining us. And guys, I hope you enjoy this and everyone have a great night. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks. <laughs>